The real way to gain happiness is to give it to others. Lord Baden-Powell. My name is Thandor, and I enjoy walking in the woods. I'm Fezzik, and I love wandering the world. And then if we find orcs, great, we'll get done. Yeah. Well, I am Corin, a gnome with anger issues who spontaneously bursts into other animal forms uh, when things annoy him. All right, I think we're ready to roll. Hi, I'm your DM, Dave. Welcome to the very first episode of Leaders and Legacies, a 5e Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, with me is the rest of the cast. I'll have them introduce themselves, but we'll start with you, Chris. Hi, my name is Christopher Cooper. I will be doing the voice of and playing Thandor. I'm Seth Lowe, and I will be playing Corrin. I'm Rachel, and I'm playing Fezzik. My name is Thandor, and I enjoy walking in the woods and looking at the marvelous world that Jord has given us. I try to preach the word of Jord and the beauty of nature to all I meet. My friends are receptive, and I soon to hope convert them to following Jord. I'm Fezzik, and I love wandering the world, and these two are um, a little crazy, but that's okay because we roll with that. It's all good. They help me get around, and that's all that matters, right? And then if we find orcs, great. We'll get to hunt them down. Well, I am Corin. Uh, I am a fairly young uh, gnome who was born blind. i uh, been kind of wandering around, had kind of a rough start to things, but uh, since I caught up with these two, uh, they have kind of helped steer me down a right path and been helping me out a lot. Uh, I do what I can, and I trust these two more than anyone else I've encountered. So, you know, your group is set out. You've been traveling west of civilization to the Sundaran Hills. Out here in the, uh, you know, the hills between the mountains and, you know, kind of the plains, there's lots of villages of, uh, you know, farmers scattered throughout the area, as well as nomadic tribes. You know, a small number of pilgrims and druids and rangers also can be found in this area. All of them are in service to the land itself and the groves that give life to the land. One of the things that's important to know about uh, Weisloth, which is the continent you live on, is that uh, you know, life centers around groves. Uh, groves are the holy places of Weisloth. All faiths respect the sacred groves of other religions. In the civilized parts of the world, the groves have actually been created by the orders of clerics and druids to replace those that were lost in the times before the uh, orc and goblin incursions down into the area over the last couple of centuries. A few naturally occurring groves do survive from these times, but they are well tended and cared for, but many of them have, were lost all of civilization and many come out here to seek them. Some of you had your lives impacted as youth uh, by these incursions of the orc and goblin hordes. Once these were repelled and they were pushed back into the Guafira Mountains, which are to the west of the Sundaran Hills, it kind of left an uneasy balance in these untamed lands. Right now, you find yourself in these precarious lands searching for the lost groves Fezzik, we're going to start with you. Yeah, the sun is slowly setting behind the hills and the mountains beyond it. You know, you see layers of clouds that turn the visible sky yellow, orange, red, purple, before fading into the darkness of uh, the approaching night. Stars sparkle, you know, kind of, you know, at the, uh, you know, that edge of darkness. 
Fezzik is alone hunting for some dinner. Um, the air is growing crisp and cool all around you. You move silently through the forest. It's cool, but not yet cold. So you spent the better part of the last hour tracking what you hope is dinner. And as you uh, move silently, tell us a little about what you see, what you think you're hunting for, and how you're going to find this unseen quarry. So um, I'm traipsing through the woods with a couple of clearings and just enjoying the night. Um, there's it's rabbit tracks that I'm primarily following. I see the occasional deer track, but they seem pretty old. So I'm going for the rabbit. We're little guys anyway. We can handle the small stuff. And if I can get a couple, then we can hang on to them and take them with us and we'll have something for later. But um, it's just a, it's one of those, another gorgeous night on this continent. I mean, it's just, this is such a great place to live. And even though I want to wander further, it's, it's not like a big rush. It's like, yes, look at that splendor. Awesome. All right. So uh, as, you, as you continue to hunt, uh, roll me a survival check to see if you can track your dinner. 18 those rabbits that you were looking for. Yeah, give us a little bit of a description of how you approach and grab dinner. <laughs> Breathe in the night air, guys, because this is it. Um, I get my blow gun ready. I like to use this the most on the little guys. Um, I sneak up on them. I see four of them. They're all starting to go into a little burrow, so I can see where they're going in. I go to shoot at the last one. Roll on attack. Ten. Yeah, that, that's enough to, to, to get this, you know, older one that was kind of lingering a little bit back. Yeah, the others kind of scurry and scamper as they see their friend fall. They make their way into the burrow. So I want to go up and peek into the burrow and see how deep it is. Maybe I can actually reach in there and grab them. Okay, yeah, roll an investigation check. Ten. It's a normal size burrow that if you normally would be able to reach down in, you would find that. Uh, yeah, I'll try to grab uh, one. Try. Ooh, yes. Natural 20. <laughs> awesome. Our first natural 20 of the game. Sweet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us how you uh, match this one up and uh, make it part of the dinner plan. So I um, I just reach in and I, I'm able to scruff the little guy and I quickly pull him out. I pull a dagger out real fast and I slice his throat, make it as quick as possible with a death blow and just, you know, hold him still while he bleeds out. You're going to try for another one? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and roll. Nine. I don't know if I have any bonuses for this stuff. Twelve. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's probably good. Yep. Kind of cornered them. I'm going to try for that last little guy. He's probably going to die of a heart attack anyways. <laughs> I'm probably missing with a six. Okay. Yeah. Seems like that fourth one got a little bit deeper in the burrow. Why don't you go ahead and roll perception? Is that ever a good thing? <laughs> oh, only a six. I'm really focusing on getting these rabbits for dinner. <laughs> yeah, I think you can continue to kind of focus on, uh, you know, prepping them and getting ready for dinner and you know, heading about your business. Thandor, we're going to move over to you. You have uh, you know, been patrolling around the area just outside of the campsite, moving kind of further and further away. Been doing this for about the last hour. Climbed on one of the taller nearby hills um, to watch the sunset and uh, you know, find a good place for you to commune with your god for a little bit collect your thoughts um, with a few minutes away from the group. Eventually you find kind of a big stone outcropping that looks over the valley. Um, you approach it carefully. Um, as you stride out onto this uh, outcropping, tell us what you see 
and what thoughts occupy your mind you know, while you're uh, doing this. Andor is being careful as he climbs across the rocks, something that he's not too comfortable doing. But he marvels at how every one of these rocks themselves have fit into a larger piece of the puzzle to make up the entire mountain. As he gets to the top, he sees the sun setting. He spies a gigantic oak tree, and he decides this is the time where he will go ahead and do his prayers. Can you give us a little bit of description of what uh, his prayers involve? Prayers are going to um, ask for Jord's blessing of this party, um, to ask Physic to be able to capture um, safely our food for the evening by ensuring that we have enough to eat so we don't overindulge and take too much from nature. Um, we also believe that um, tomorrow is going to be a great day for us to go adventuring and do the will of Jord as it, as it comes, comes to pass. Tornado is very in tune right now. Tornado is what he loves to be called. Um, that is his nickname that was given to him by his friends. Um, he's building a stone cairn at this point, as one as a reference point to, as him being there at, at one point, but also as a monument to um, Jord. So his full concentration is on building a four-foot cairn out of the surrounding rock. Roll us a performance check to see how well you actually do in building this monument to, to, to this moment. A 13. You're used to doing this. It's part of your ritual. So, you know, it, it uh, comes together nicely for you. One of the things after a few minutes of doing this, you kind of, I think, settle back and kind of look at your handiwork. You begin to feel a subtle shift in the air, almost as if something down below back at the camp has uh, begun to uh, change. And I must return back to camp. Roll a uh, cell check. Uh, see how, how quiet you can be as you walk. A, a nine. So not, not, not too great, not too bad. But yeah, you're making your way back um, yeah, quickly, I guess. Corn's been uh, working at setting up camp for a while. Tell us a little about what you've done so far to get all set up and uh, what uh, thoughts occupy your mind as you uh, go about uh, preparing you know, for your friends to return. Okay, so as Fezzik and Thandar are heading off, uh, I watch them or feel them as they kind of stealth off into the woods to go do their hunting and praying. And as I'm kind of staring in their direction blankly, uh, they get just out of feeling range since I can no longer feel them through the ground. kind of mutter to myself, great, leave the blind kid set up camp. This sounds great. Okay. Um, so he kind of starts kind of feeling around the ground for sticks and leaves and stuff and starts kind of piling them in the central area of the camp. Um, and then he goes and uses his cantrips to mold earth to create kind of channels around the campsite in the event that he feels kind of moisture in the air and isn't sure if it's going to rain. So he figured it'd be safer to just kind of try and channel any water coming downhill away from their site. Um, and then he also uses the same mold earth cantrip to smooth out the area where their bedrolls are going to be. Um, after he finishes that, he kind of sits in the middle of the campsite by the pile of sticks and leaves that he made and pulls out a uh, rock and rod, um, which he firmly believes are flint and steel, uh, to start trying to strike the fire and start a small campfire to be ready to be cooking when Fezzik returns with the meal. Um, 
and he sits there just kind of meditating, listening for uh, Fezzik and or Thandor to, to come back, kind of anxiously waiting as he can only kind of really feel about 15 to 20 feet in all directions. You know, something kind of makes you pause trying to build the fire. Here at kind of the edge of your hearing, you know, what sounds like uh, small footsteps falling just outside of the area of the camp as it seems like, you know, first it's a few creatures, then a few more, and then it's almost as if like a herd of something moving quickly past your camp and, and around it intentionally. Kind of catches wind of this. He gets very jittery all of a sudden when he initially thinks it's Thandor or Fezzik coming back. And when he realizes it's not, he uses, again, mold earth to pull up, pull up a small kind of berm of earth around him so that he can hide in it um, and just listen to the ground as he feels the creatures coming by. Roll me a perception check. Uh, that would be an eight. Um, okay, again, you know, you're, you're hearing you know, those footsteps that are just outside of range. Yeah, you don't notice much of a shift in the smell of the air, so you don't necessarily think it's animals that are moving out there. Something is moving outside the camp, um, and you know it's a, it's a lot of little somethings. Um, we'll we'll be a history check to see if you, you know, know much about the, uh, the the creatures that live in this area. That's a 17. <laughs> 17, okay. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, you've heard rumored to be, you know, in this area, is that much of the there's rumors to be living plants that you know that actually you know roam and walk the area and nobody has seen these in probably centuries you don't smell fire or any kind of you know natural disaster there's no earthquake you don't think that these creatures are animals trying to rush to get away from something for some reason this you know these plant life creatures you know pop to mind you begin to picture these very small creatures you know moving past you are are they is he aware of anything that they might be predatory, like a Venus flytrap or something? Or are these just more like um, like a leashy kind of thing, uh, like a plant elemental type thing? They would be more plant elemental. In fact, you know, they're, they're known to not be dangerous. Okay, okay. He is going to uh, kind of hunker down and really kind of meditate into the earth and try to feel if he can get a kind of a better feeling of what it is, where they are, and if he can kind of just feel how they're interacting with the ground. Roll insight. 24. Yeah, with a 24, one of the things that you kind of notice is, is the more you kind of tune in, there seems to be a bit of um, fear moving away from something. Thandor, you're able to make it back. Um, actually, roll perception real quick for me. 19 for me. You've been moving your way quickly, but one of the weird things is that you almost feel like you can sense Corrin, you know, defensively put himself in a berm and that you kind of feel like you almost can sense his thoughts. You can feel him reaching out to kind of try to figure these creatures out and you kind of get the same vibe that he's getting, which is, you know, there's a, an edge of fear to them, you know, moving north the way they're doing right now. I will hurry myself towards camp. Yeah, so far you haven't seen any of them, but you have become aware that yeah, there, are, there are other things besides yourself moving through the woods. They have fear that you don't know the source of. Fezzik, you know, you're a little bit further away from camp. Roll me a perception roll. Just be bopping along. 
Uh, 14. Yeah, with your 14, one of the things that uh, you kind of sense that as you're heading you know, back towards camp, you're kind of moving north, that there's something moving ahead of you. You spot what looks like kind of a figure guiding smaller figures along a, a ahead of you. You know, you see them kind of skirt around the, the south edge of the camp, um, but you also are getting that this kind of sense that you almost feel a connection to these creatures as well. And in fact, one of the things that you know notice is there's almost kind of a, a puff of what might be spores or something in the air. They're adding to the sensation that you can kind of feel the fear in the creatures and that they're trying to move away and around your camp, but you know, it's not your camp that they're afraid of. So I'm going to um, start hustling to sort of kind of catch up and see if I can get like a better look while also headed to camp since they're squirting around it. I'm hoping to kind of get Okay, so Fezzik, as you get to the edge of the camp, you also feel connection to Corrin. You almost can point right to where he is. Not something you've experienced thus far. You kind of sense that he's trying to figure out what's what's going on. See uh, from the north, Thandor approaching as well. Kind of all gather kind of uh, at Corrin <laughs> at about the same time. The moment that they come within sensing range of Corrin, Corrin anxiously kind of pops out of the berm and like bolts to Fezzik. Kind of not visibly panicked, but very kind of happy to have Fezzik back in camp with him. Hey, how's it going? How, how's dinner? Um, there's a little twitching to the north. Um, uh, I saw it. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I saw you were in like a hole. That's new. Yeah, I was trying to set up a new like campground type thing. I wanted to kind of uh, hide our fire from the surrounding area. Mm. I, I thought it might be a nice new idea to, you know, keep the flames so that we didn't disturb the surrounding fauna. So I raised the earth around it. And... It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Good job. Did you see thunder? I saw them. I saw them. Them. So, um, Dave, was the the larger figure, was it like human size leading like gnomish size? Or was it like a gnomish size leading tiny? If you had to, you would have said that it kind of looked like a plant person. It seemed to have a barkish style skin. Definitely not a humanoid type that you'd seen before and that the little ones were being tended by this, the bigger one. So it was like trees walking? I don't know what to tell you. It was weird. Definitely nothing I've ever seen before. Walking I've heard of old stories at my old grove about sprouts that roamed the area that were small, like rub-like things, kind of elemental-ish, that would wander the lands. But I've never encountered one before. That is not of this earth. That is something that Jord would not have created. I have not heard of these things before. In fact, no one in your living memory has. You can still sense their fear. And after a couple minutes of you know, kind of listening to the silence of the night, kind of trying to figure out what's going on around you, if you want, roll a perception check. Nine. Uh, I got an eight. Okay, so yeah, your your friends are kind of interfering with your... My anxiety in having them return is overwhelming me a little. The last kind of thing that you feel as these kind of move out of range to the north is, you know, they're, they're going to continue to move away from, you know, whatever spooked them. So I have dinner, but it's not dark yet. Like, not quite dark yet. Do we want to maybe follow them and see if we can... Speak for yourself. <laughs> Get a better look. They seem scared. Could be fine. They, they, they seem scared of something to the south. But uh, we're south now, so it's closer to us than them. 
whatever it is. So maybe it wouldn't be bad to go north? Tornado? We are deviating from our plan of staying here for the evening. We, we are deviating, but you know, plans change, be fluid, right? We've talked about this, it's okay. I would rather wait the night and see in the morning when we have better light of what we see. Do you want to cook dinner and I'll just like go scope it out for a little while? I would be, I would be willing to cook dinner. That way I can give a proper blessing. Why, why don't I, why don't I help Tornado like finish starting the fire? My, my, my druid leader like gave me some practice things to do. And he picks up the rod and the stone again, uh, which you guys clearly see are like a piece of quartz and an iron rod. And he's starting to try and strike them like flint and steel. And you also notice he's not hitting anywhere near the sticks. He's like three feet to the right. I think that's a good idea, Corin. You'll do awesome, Corin. Don't worry about it. You'll get that fire. You just stay right here with Tornado. <laughs> Fezzik, it sounds like you're interested in doing a little exploring. I absolutely am. You just came from the south. Yeah, the creatures that were moving, you saw them kind of scoot out around to the to, to the west before turning north around the campsites. If you exited the camp uh, yeah, at the southwest edge, um, might be a good place to start looking. You're going to try to move stealthily? All right, roll me a stealth check. Yes. 23. 23, all right. This is, you're in your elements. Each footfall finds the right spot so you're not crushing leaves or breaking twigs. You're kind of moving silently through the night. You follow him for a few minutes. It, it kind of gets uh, quiet. Yeah, roll me a perception check to see if you can hear them. Nine. I need to get regular dice, man. These, my diet, my electronic dice suck. <laughs> I'm not rolling good tonight. <laughs> The nine feel like you, you know, you're just a little bit short of where they are, but you know, behind you, you you know that they were running from something that would also be heading this direction. So, um, yeah, I guess do you want to continue to follow them or look to the south. Um, I just want to turn around and look for a minute. You know, just kind of reground myself. Yeah, why don't you give me a perception check, kind of orienting on the uh, the night. Your night vision's probably starting to kick in. Twenty one. Yeah, with a 21, you hear what to you sounds like, not a scream, but like a grunt further to the south that kind of echoes down across the valley. Is it a grunt that I recognize? Yeah, it doesn't sound like either Horn or uh, Thandar. Or an orc? Maybe. I head south. I'm going to head in the direction of that grunt. Give me another stealth check. Yes, sneak up on a sucker. 20, not natural. You're moving pretty, pretty silently. Gives you a little bit of a boost to how well you can hear and maybe a couple hundred yards off you can hear something kind of not moving stealthily, stealthily crashing through the underbrush and the trees you know a little bit further south and a little bit further west fast does it sound like it's moving fast like in the direction of my camp it's moving a little bit away from your camp it does seem to be the source of the grunting because i think at some point you do hear it grunts and <sighs> you spot what you think you might think is it moving through the trees how big does it look Humanoid size, if not a little bit bigger. I head towards it. So roll me another stealth check as you kind of approach it. Oh, totally, totally natural 20 for a 25. Rocked that one out. 
Awesome. So yeah, just as you're kind of getting up on it, you know, I mean, you're moving, you've avoided every little twig, every little tiny thing that could have made any kind of noises as you approach. And yeah, you know, one of the things that you see as you kind of start to, your eyes are starting to track the bigger moving object. One of the things that catches your attention as, as you do that, you see what it seems to be a humanoid-sized creature kind of it almost appears as if it steps into a tree and then reappears just a few seconds later ahead of whatever the big creature is that's moving through the trees. You know, you hear the, the other creature cry out and it definitely sounds like an orc by the swear words it uses. All right, I'm going in. <laughs> how far am I from camp? Like, how far do I estimate myself to be? You're about five minutes out of camp, so. Too far to holler, okay. Maybe a quarter of a mile. Less. All right, I'm going in. That's what I do. Okay, so you know, as you kind of approach, you know, you see an orc kind of you know holding its arms up defensively. It seems to be uh, you know gripping thing in its one hand, and it's got kind of a uh, you know what looks like a club in its other hand. You see, you know, the, the other creature attack it with a club, and you just see it, you know, hit it for just this huge amount of damage. It almost knocks the orc. Yeah, back into the nearest tree. So I pull out my longbow and I follow the orc. The creature kind of disappears again. The orc kind of tries to catch its breath and then takes off running in a different direction. Toward me? So it starts to stumble, passing you, heading a little bit towards the northeast. Yeah, it, it makes eye contact with you and it dreams in common run. Um, I actually pause for a second. Because here's an orc telling me to run. I'm kind of like a little torn on that one. <laughs> like I might hate him, but it's like, but he's warning me. You know what I mean? So I pause for a second, but I track him with the longbow. The longbow. You know, so I'm drawn, but I, I track him and I just kind of pause for a second. And Yeah, so he gets just past you. Creature once again reappears in front of him. And you know, it swings at him with his club, hitting him with a devastating blow. It disappears back into the tree, but not before you can get a good look at it. Does that creature happen to look like the larger creature that was leading the little ones? Like now that it's closer to me and I can see it better? It looks much more human than the other you know, creatures that you saw. And in fact, the eyes that look out from you know, inside of this creature as it attacks this orc you know, seem to be human based. Does it go back into a tree? It does disappear once again. And the orc is down? Gets back up and he yells again, I told you, run! Oh, this is hard. I want to kill him, but I don't want to kill him. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna hold tight. I'm gonna watch him run. There's a reason why this thing's attacking him, but it makes me wonder if the other things were running from this thing or they're running from that orc and this, orc, this thing stayed behind. Gonna help damn Now it's time for our dungeon master's commitment, and here's your dungeon master, Dave. 
Well, at the end of each episode, we hope to have a little moment where I'm able to talk to you about various topics. Um, you know, maybe give you a little bit of information, a little something, a nugget you didn't know. But the, the first question that I want to answer is one that you're probably all asking, you know, why scouting and D&D? How do those go together? And well, yeah, for me, the journey starts way back in the early 1980s, where I had just joined a, a Boy Scouts of America troop. And well, you know, I was offered basically one option um, after dinner uh, on the first camp out. You know, you can play football. And, you know, while I saw the, uh, you know, the scouts, you know, playing a vigorous game of football, I was not necessarily the most skilled football player, I saw another group head over and sit around a table. So I wandered over to see what they were doing. And I'm like, hey, what, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, um, yeah, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, Dungeons and Dragons, that sounds cool. What's that? And they're like, well... Yeah, and they explained how it would be role-playing and all doing all this stuff. And I'm like, um, yeah, interesting. And they're like, would you like to join us? We need a wizard. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I have since loved playing wizards, but, you know, I did many things after that. We, you know, I went on to become a life scout and then, you know, went off to college, went off to graduate school. Um, started working, met my wife, um, you know, had a child, and you know, when he hit uh, age six, we were looking for an activity for him to do outside of school, and there was a joint scout night, and well, you now, uh, fast forward a few years, we're really enjoying ourselves in scouting, and you know, my wife's like, yeah, hey, <laughs> you know, maybe you should have another hobby besides just scouting. So, of course, you know, I started doing Dungeons and Dragons, um, as uh, with some of my friends who were into that kind of thing. And, uh, well, you know, needless to say, eventually the two merged. I discovered that there were more and more scouters out there playing Dungeons and Dragons than I had ever imagined. So the two lessons I've learned is that when you pursue the things that make you happy, you'll find other people that enjoy doing them alongside of you. And that I'm pretty lucky to have a spouse that can spot the things I can enjoy. So, you know, if I can convey one thing, look out for each other out there because, you know, life's more awesome when you're doing awesome things. Leaders and Legacies is a 5e podcast that is unaffiliated with the Boy Scouts of America or Wizards of the Coast. The opinions expressed here are solely our own. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here at Leaders and Legacies, please consider becoming a patron by joining us at patreon.com slash leadersandlegacies. You can also follow us on Twitter at Leader and Legacy or join our blog at leadersandlegacies.com. Music and sound effects are licensed from Soundstripe.com. Logo art by Katherine Evans. Images also may have been licensed from Shutterstock.com. Check out these and many other amazing businesses by listening to us here on Leaders and Legacy. And never forget to remember... If we say anything inappropriate, just go ahead and edit it out. <laughs>